You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. always think God somehow doesn't know what's going on, but God knows exactly what's going on. And God always has a plan. And God always has someone that he's raising up to take care of various things as they come our way. God always is working on our behalf. We must believe that because that's what scripture says. God is ever present and always working on our behalf. God has a plan for each of your lives. And maybe you haven't discovered what that plan is right now. Or maybe you've only discovered little bits and pieces of that plan. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that God has never left you, even in your most difficult circumstances. Although you can't see the Lord, His presence is never far. If you choose to seek out the presence of the Lord, He will make Himself known to you. Reach out. The God of angel armies is waiting. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7 as he begins his message, The Nation Has a Change of Heart. First Samuel 7, we've been work, working our way through the book of First Samuel, a very interesting book, and it's going to get a lot more interesting as we go along, leading to Second Samuel, obviously. So um, I want to read the, I'm going to go from 2 to 17, so I'm going to read those 15 um, verses as we'll get a kind of idea of where we're going. Um, we're not going to do two, I tempted to go two chapters, but eh. Couldn't do it, so we're going to do one chapter. So chapter 7 of the book of Samuel, we're going to begin in verse 2. So it was that the ark remained in Kirjath-Jerim a long time. It was there 20 years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as Bethkar. 
Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Then the cities of the Philistines, which the Philistines had taken from Israel, were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines. Also, there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went from year to year on a circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. But he always returned to Ramah, for his home was there. There he judged Israel, and he built an altar to the Lord. So you remember last time in chapter 6 that Israel retrieved the Ark of the Covenant. It was now back in the hands of Israel. And they took it, and at the end of chapter 6, the men of kirjath Jerem took the Ark of the Lord, and they brought it to the house of Abinadad. Because Shiloh, if you remember, which is where the tabernacle was, had been destroyed. I often wonder what transpired those 20-some-odd years that it was in the house of Abinadad. Can you imagine? having the presence of the Lord in your house in such a thing, I bet that changed the entire household. I bet it changed everything in the entire household. Think about that. You could do a pretty good story on that, a pretty good message. But many, many years would pass before the ark would eventually be moved by King David, and he would take it to Jerusalem. But the ark being in Israeli territory, did not automatically solve Israel's problems. Once again, a new generation was rising up. A new generation was coming up, and they didn't know the Lord. They haven't experienced the Lord's awesome power. They, they haven't experienced what he can do. And, and they, 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 they began to cry out for a radical change, not only in Israel, but in their form of government. They, they were crying out, and they wanted change. This is what young people do. They, they grow up and they, they want change. It's not any different than what we experience. And for centuries, the people of Israel had looked to only Jehovah as their Lord. And indeed, I say, as their king. They looked to Jehovah. When, when God pulled them out of Egypt, he told them, come to the mountain. You will be my people and I will be your God. He wanted Israel to be run on a theocracy which meant by God only. He didn't want them to have a king, a monarchy. He wanted to be the God. He wanted them to seek him for all their needs. But as the young generation came up, they began to grumble against God. They wanted to be like other nations and have a king rule over them. It was once again a very critical time in the nation. But God had raised up Samuel for this very purpose. See, we always think God somehow doesn't know what's going on, but God knows exactly what's going on. And God always has a plan. And God always has someone that he's raising up to take care of various things as they come our way. God always is working on our behalf. We must believe that because that's what Scripture says. God is ever-present and always working on our behalf. God has a plan for each of your lives. And maybe you haven't discovered what that plan is right now. Or maybe you've only discovered little bits and pieces of that plan. But God had that plan for you, and he will see it through to fruition. He will see it through. 
The Apostle Paul in Philippians 1 verse 6 said, I'm confident of this thing. I'm confident that he who began a work in me will be faithful to complete it. He was confident. He wasn't confident in his own ability. It would be his prayers and his guidance that would get them through this tough time. Samuel knew his people very well. He was one of them. He knew they were restless, and he knew they wanted change. He also knew the stresses of a transition like this and how dangerous it could be for a nation. He knew that these things either bring the best of people or the worst of people. Samuel would be the guide to the nation because if he knew anything, if Samuel understood anything at all, he knew that king or no king, the nation would never succeed if the people did not put their trust in God first. And trust in him for all things. You can apply that to the United States of America. You can apply that to your own household, to your own lives, and we will. This becomes a good lesson for us. This becomes a great lesson for us. Regardless of any situation we may encounter, we too will never be successful. Never be successful if we do not put the Lord first in all things. It's not going to happen. You can beat your head against a brick wall till it bleeds. But if you do not put the Lord first in your job, in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids, in anything else, in your ministry, in anything else that you might do, you will not be successful. And if you are successful, the success will be on you and not him. You'll take the glory and not give it to God. We must put the Lord first. And why is this so foreign to us? Why is this so foreign to us? In Exodus 19 and 21, in Deuteronomy, when the commandments are rehearsed and gone over again, There's a reason why the very first commandment is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, strength, and soul. There's a reason it's number one. Because if you can't do number one, you might as well forget about all the others. You might as well throw them out. If you can't accomplish number one, you might as well get rid of the rest of the commandments. That's why it's number one. There's no no surprise. There's a reason why in Genesis 1-1 it says, in the beginning God. In the beginning, God. If you can't reconcile that, if you can't reconcile that God was in the beginning, if God was preexistent, if God knows all things, is all things, created all things, you're going to have a hard time. Even with Christianity, you're going to have a very difficult time. He's asked us to love him. He's asked us to serve him and him alone. Not serve him plus other things. Serve him and him alone. In everything we have, if you do this first, you'll succeed. If you do not do this first, then you won't succeed. So this is where we are in our study in Samuel 7. So in verse 2, this is what we read. And so it was that the ark remained in Kirith-Jeth-Jerim a long time, about 20 years. And the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. To lament simply means to passionately express grief or sorrow. In fact, Israel was great at passionately expressing grief and sorrow. They used to pay people to be professional mourners. I don't know if they still do or not. You know, the people who were wailing and stuff like that. Jesus, Jesus came across these people when he went to, 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 for Lazarus and when he went to several other places. These professional mourners where they would be, oh, oh, they would be wailing and lamenting. The Hebrew word is naya, N-I-H-Y-A-H, Yah, God. It means to wail, to mourn, but it means to mourn in song. And crying in a heart. You know, read through some of the Psalms. They are very mournful. 
Some of the psalms are quite mournful, and I can see these people singing these songs of mourning, crying out in their heart. Israel had a good reason to lament. They had a good reason to lament. Their cities were in ruins. The armies that they had were defeated. They were under Philistine domination. All because of one thing. Can someone tell me what the one thing was that caused all this? Sin. They weren't right with God. They weren't right with God. Sometimes we struggle needlessly. We struggle in our own lives. We struggle at work. We struggle with our relationships. We struggle all the way. We can't understand why things are going wrong. We're not right with God. There's an area of our life that we're not right with God with. And that's what's happening here in Israel. Consequences for poor choices can be brutal and cause us to lament. Complications or consequences from poor choices can be brutal and they cause us to lament all because we didn't seek God first and our hearts are not right with him. The nation looks to Samuel for guidance. Samuel, Samuel, help us. And he doesn't hold anything back. Look at verse 3. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Samuel lays out the plan. All right, you want to know how to get back right with God? You want to know how things will work for you? Here's my plan. And he lays it out to them. He says, you want to get back in the right fellowship with God? Here you go. And there's these actions. And these are action things. These are not passive. These are action things. Return to the Lord with all your hearts. This is first and foremost. Not only for Israel, but for us as well. We talked about that. Return to God simply means to repent. If you're going the wrong way, repenting means to turn and go the right way. That's all repentant is. Turn the right way. Turn the way you think about God. Change your mind. Turn around and follow him. So, return to the Lord with all your hearts. Not just half-heartedly because you messed up and you're looking for an easy out. Return to him with a true heart. With all your heart. Return to him with all your heart. Put away your foreign gods. Put away anything that you are placing in front of God. Anything. You know, Jesus made it quite clear to the disciples, and a lot of people didn't like him for it. What did he say? Unless you hate your mom and dad, you can't have any part of me. What? Hate my mom and dad? Commandment number four says, honor my mother and father. What do you mean, hate my mom and dad? What was he saying? Unless you put God first in all things, can't have any part of me. Can't have any part of me. It's not easy to be his disciple. It's not an easy choice to be a disciple of God. Foreign gods plagued Israel for years. It was their besetting sin, if you will. He said, put away. That's an action. Put away. Get rid of it. Paul says it's a lot of time. Put off the old man, put on the new. That's action. There's an action there. 
Put off the old man. Put off the old ways, the lust that so easily beset you, the bad habits, those things that got you into trouble. Put on Christ. Put on the robe of righteousness. Put on Christ. There's action there. It's something that we do. It's not something that we passively say that. And what's interesting, this isn't the first time it was said to Israel. Moses said the very same thing. Joshua said the same thing in Joshua 24. Put away. Put away the idols that your father serves on the other side of the river. Put away. What was Samuel doing? He was calling the nation to repentance. He was calling the nation to repentance. The repentance had to be two places. First and foremost, the repentance has to take place in your heart. The repentance has to take place in your heart, and only God and you know it's true. God knows if your repentance is true or not. He knows the condition of your heart because God looks at your heart. He knows if you're just feigning it to get out of something that happened or if you truly have repentance in your heart. So it has to be in your heart first. And then it has to be outward. It has to be outward. And this is what Samuel's calling Israel to return with all your hearts. He told them to put away your foreign God. Make sure your heart is right for, for, for God. Why? Because inward repentance is secret, isn't it? You say you repent? I can't tell. You say you repented? I can't tell, can I? I can't tell. But the inward is proven outward. Inward is proven outward. And I go back to my favorite, favorite example that I've used from this podium many, many times. Fireproof. When he wanted to get rid of the pornography, what did he do? He smashed the computer. He smashed the computer to pieces. No longer was. That's an act, outward action. The Lord convicted his inward heart, and that was an outward action. I've talked with the men sometimes, and some of us had, had a time when we put away alcohol. In other words, all the alcohols that were in our cabinets, we got rid of them because it was an outward action of repentance. We wanted to get rid of every source that was around us. That's an outward action. You're doing something outwardly of something that happened inside. It's proof. Inward is proven outward. We can know that Israel did return with all their hearts when we see that they put away the foreign gods. It says that we did this. No one can see their heart, but they can see the fact that they put away the gods. They weren't following after that anymore. If your besetting sin is this, and you confess and you repent and you put it away, we shouldn't see that in your life. We, we shouldn't see it. And if it is there, repent again and put it back away. He says, prepare your hearts. Number three, prepare your hearts. Hosea, break up the fallow ground so you can receive from God. Break up the fallow ground of your heart. Our hearts are so hard. What did Jeremiah say? What did Jeremiah say about the hearts? Deceitfully what? Wicked. Who can know it? Well, God knows it. God knows your heart. We need to break up that ground and get rid of that fallow ground, that hard ground, so that the word of God can plant in this. Thus the commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Anything we place our trust in, anything we serve before God is an idol. The Jews made idols of wood, stone, and metal. Today our idols are much more elaborate. They come with steering wheels and motors. They come with money and land and houses and, and, and careers and ambition. They come with people. 
So many different things become our idols. Even ministry can become an idol if we put it before God. Anything we put in the forefront of our God, anything that makes God second is an idol. God wants to be first in everything. 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 Anything that demands a sacrifice on our part. What does that mean? Anything that takes your devotion away from God and makes you, cause you to sacrifice something you're doing is an idol. It must be cut off. And then what do we do? Serve him only. See, here's the idea. Israel didn't feel that they were rejecting the Lord. Israel didn't feel they were rejecting the Lord because what they were doing was they were still serving God, but they were serving the Baals and the Asterisks also. So God, the creator, the one true living God, became a God, one of many that they were serving. And God said, no, no, no way. Me first. Me first. You read the scriptures. God is a jealous God. God is a jealous God. They, they felt they were adding to the worship of their God by serving all these gods. Well, Jesus made it quite clear in Matthew 6, 24. He says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. Samuel was calling on Israel to turn their backs on these other gods and serve the one true living God only. That's what he's calling us to do today. Turn your backs on the, on the gods that have gotten you into trouble the gods that we place before our true God and serve one master and one master only. And in verse 4, we see that the Israelites, they did that. Look at verse 4. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Asterisks and served the Lord only. I love this. They did what they were told. They did what Samuel had told them. This is good. Samuel didn't ask him to take what was good from Astoreth and take what was good to Baal and add it to our God. He said, no, get rid of them. Put them away. Renounce them. But something was missing. There was still a problem. There was still a problem. It existed. And it needed to be resolved before God could act on their behalf. Let's read 5 and 6. Well, let's just read, yeah, 5 and 6. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, poured it out before the Lord, and they fasted that day, and they said, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Oh, he told them to gather. Why Mizpah? Why Mizpah? Where's all my Bible students? This is an important place in Israel history. This is a place where Jacob separated from Laban in in Genesis 31. And it was a place where the repentant Israel gathered in Judges 20, verse 1. Samuel knew that the Lord was doing a mighty work in Israel. And it could only be completed through prayer. Samuel knew that. But before God could hear any prayers, confession had to be made. Confession had to be made. It wasn't enough to destroy the idols. It wasn't enough to take the idols away and put them away. Sin had to be confessed. They must surrender to God because that's what his covenant said in Leviticus 26 verses 40 through 45. You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m., along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope.